0: Well, and now you get a chance, now you get to talk about, uh, John Byrne's Fantastic Four comics. Woo! Did you finish them? Uh, I did. I did, although it was kind of amazing, because, um... I left work early because I had to go to the chiropractor for this treatment, which required me basically lying there and staring at the ceiling for a long period of time. I'm like, okay, what do I remember about these Fantastic Four comics? (laughs) And it it was very much like, okay, I remember 248. I remember 249 and 250. And then I swear to God, Graham, I was convinced that the Negative Zone saga started around issues like 254 maybe and ran the two you yeah know, i'm like yeah then it's 256 or 257 the wrap up and then there's the doctor doom digression issue and then it's 259 260 okay but what happened in 251 through 253 i'm like it's got to <laughs> be something it can't be the fucking negative zone thing that starts later because it ends up there and oh my christ no the negative zone goes on forever and a day, holy Christ. So, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hello, whatnots! Welcome to Baxter Building, episode twenty-seven. Cross fingers. I hope it's twenty-seven. I previously was convinced it's twenty-eight, but I can't find another episode twenty-seven anywhere. So let's call this twenty-seven. Let's all just agree it's twenty-seven. I am one of your hosts, the numerically challenged Graham McMillan. With me, as always, the the man for whom math is a snap um actually graham i do believe this is
0: episode 28 no i'm kidding i have no idea hi everybody <laughs> it's jeff lester your favorite contrarian who right I now like is sort jeff
1: of lester, the dick the
0: dick oh yeah that's as other people know me as well some call me the cowboy of love i think it's i think it is episode 26 graham i mean episode 27 we just record 26 <laughs> hello everybody Graham's numerically challenged, I'm, uh, I'm... You're what? just
1: fucking with my head. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm I, my head is challenged. So, and welcome to another episode of Baxter Building, the, uh, where we read the first 416 issues of the Fantastic Four, created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. We are presently in the... We're, we're, we're more than halfway there, Graham. We're definitely more than halfway there. Today, we uh, we will be discussing issues 248 through 260 of the Fantastic Four, written, drawn, inked, and um, what's the Over right worked. word? Yeah. Overworked. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank Byrne. you for saying that. Ridiculously overworked by John Byrne. <laughs> Holy shit.
2: Wow. Wow. Uh, you- Long-time listeners of Baxter Building might remember that the first John Byrne episode we did, which is two episodes ago, we were so excited and so psyched. <laughs> we're like, John Byrne, his comic's much better than we thought it was. Yeah. Then you might remember last episode, we're like, eh, it's, it's kind of dipping a bit, but that's okay. It's still pretty good. Yes. Jeff, this is the episode where you're like, oh, this is up <laughs> play John Byrne, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it's it's really close. It's really close. Um, you know,
0: I'll try and keep my generalizations, which normally run for hours at a time to a minimum. But I'm fascinated by looking at one point, Graham, in the middle of reading all this stuff, there was a, a reference to an earlier issue that I, that I was like, oh, yeah, what was the point with that? Like some reference to Frankie Ray. So I, I cracked open issue 243 or 244 or something. and I was like, oh, my God. This looks so good. Like, I was just like, this is a good episode. I maybe, it, is, was it that issue? I think it was. It was definitely before he cleaned up the thing's appearance. And, yeah, his early appearance thing, you know, it's it's his devolved thing. And I was just like, yeah, this is, wow, how weird that I have nostalgia for something by the same writer that was only really just a year or two earlier. Yeah. Because it right? might have been something earlier than that. You know? And, yeah, and it's the, nuts. The other thing that is weird to me is is that um these this little batch of comics all together really had me wondering, like what are good comics? You know what I mean? Because there there was just that <laughs> sense of like there what I find fascinating is is that Burn for the most part, has, I would say, more or less, stuff that I was like, yeah, I can get behind this. Like, yeah, I'm totally down with this. Yes, I'm totally into this in theory. And in actual practice, there was just something that ended up stripping... Like, these comics, just for whatever reason, maybe because Byrne himself is is, is hustling so hard... They just don't feel very fun and they should be really
2: fun comics, you know? Yeah, but also and and this you know, this gets started right away with two forty eight. The writing in these comics is terrible. I mean, just from a does this story make sense, Y slash N, the writing in these comics is terrible. Oh, two forty eight is amazing.
0: Two forty eight is, you know, should the title should have been Stan Lee presents the FF and the Inhumans trapped in an impossible lampshade. Because it's all every <laughs> wait, single wait, wait. page.
2: It's actually called Nightmare, not Lampshade. Oh, it's not? Oh, yeah. Stan Lee presents the FF and the Inhumans trapped in an impossible nightmare. Exclamation point. Just letting the listeners know. Oh, so they don't actually be like, oh, I'm going to have to look up that lampshade
0: issue on Marvel Unlimited. Why can't I find it? That issue, in particular, for me, is kind of great because you have all this. For me, having never read this issue before, and I guess we can just jump right in. People are going to know it's it's John Byrne. It's Glenis Ween doing the uh, coloring. Rich Parker is lettering. And it starts, once again, with John Byrne's fastest flag that he's going to be, like, writing way too quickly for the events in his comic the ff and the inhumans are joined together again for the naming ceremony of Quicksilver and Qu- crystal's baby
2: you're forgetting you're forgetting the, the one page prologue which oh right is 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 really a setup for the story isn't what you think but what it is is a speeded up mess yeah uh, so yeah. the the story actually starts with a prologue, which is Triton of the Inhumans swimming through an underwater stream and coming across uh, a s- yonder structure is a purest crystal, like many such natural outgrowths we have found here on the moon. Yet this one is somehow different. I sense an intelligent hand in the subtle shapings. You might think that's set up for something and we're going to find out whose intelligent hand that is. Spoilers, no. Yeah. But it does snap Triton. And then we immediately cut to the FF and, and the Inhumans getting together uh, to celebrate the naming of tiny little Luna, who yet again proves that John Byrne has apparently never seen a child. <laughs> well, John Byrne really can't. I mean, John Byrne's people are relatively stylized in this era anyway. Oh, my God. But he really yes. can't do children. <laughs> There's something really weird. Like, his baby is super weird. And... and uh, I think it's the the doctor dumontally issue. Mm-hmm. You see you see uh Christoph the kid mm-hmm. who just doesn't look like a child. You I there's
0: just weird stuff throughout this that is just yeah. burn trying to and I think it's kind of fascinating to me that I feel that burn perhaps by looking at his various contemporaries, and in my mind, he considers his contemporaries pretty much anyone who has as much praise as he's getting or more, and therefore kind of being like, yeah, I should be doing this. And by this, I suspect that I I feel like Looking at stuff, the weird uh, pop-up of Daredevil in a couple of issues in a very strangely Miller Jansen-ish style makes me think that Byrne it feels like he should be a cartoonist. You know, he's aware that cartooning is where it's at, and he has—he has—it's clear that he knows stuff and has fondness for different styles, but he never learns how to make his stylization. Work together. It just doesn't. There's a scene that we'll get to later around, I think, 256 or 257, where Sue Storm is touring a, a house that she's interested in buying. And the old woman who's mm-hmm. showing the house to Sue seems like she's coming from literally an entirely different comic book. If it wasn't for the fact that they're being drawn by the same person, and so this the ink stroke is sort of the same the weights the mm-hmm. same and yet they seem it seems completely weird it's like it's like watching a comic book version of who framed Roger Rabbit except well, you don't I, get the sense that he, they're trying to do that
2: you know and that's true all throughout because the way he inks Ben it's mm-hmm. really really at odds with the way he inks everything else as well right it's it's very very strange a part of me's like should we go through the plot of this comic a part of me also really doesn't because here's here are my two problems with this comic mm-hmm. and whatnots who haven't read this, you'll understand. This is why I'm loath to go through the plot of the comic. One, it, it is hooked around the crystal that Triton discovers on the first page, but that is not peer again until the final page. And it is never explained. Yeah. And two, half of the second half of the comic, the meat of the comic it's all a fucking dream sequence yes so you get like there is something swallowed the moon something's killed off the rest of the fantastic four apart from reed's oh no what's happened oh shit oh everything's going wrong and then reed's like i'm sad and wakes (laughs) up and oh their other characters like i'm also sad i saw everyone else die and then cuts the crystal where trident's like i guess i beat it up well, sure, that's the end, and John Byrne's narration is, this crystal was made by an evil guy. Who? Shut up, I'm not telling you. But it was defeated by love. Do you get it? Okay, moving on. It's it's fucking horrible. I'm Jeff.
0: fascinated. With the thing that's that, that I think is strange about it is you literally, for me, I think there are literally two options. One is John Byrne totally fucking forgot about his deadlines and thought he had an issue in the can, and had to turn around and draw this. And it's almost as if he drew the entire thing, like making it up as he as he went along, and then came up with well, the framing it, it sequences at like the that. end. It
2: feels like that. It feels like that.
0: Yeah, because um, it does, and part of it also feels it, it, if it's not that, then it's Byrne is almost doing some uh, like a satire of a bad Lee Kirby issue because the amount of... Byrne takes these big ideas. He, I mean, you're on page four or five when, like, the moon gets pulled out of Earth's orbit. It gets dragged into a giant spaceship that is so huge, like, and it's actually a great little sequence in which you see the moon as this tiny little thing in the docking bay, and then the arms attached to it, and then this creature walks in that's literally described as being, like, 5,000 miles high. And... You, the reader, are kind of like, that couldn't happen like this. And that's where Burn the Lamp Shader gets in and every other panel is Reed being like, but that's impossible. But wait, how could this happen? They would never see that.
2: That's not yes. how that would work. And For, for everything. It, for everything. Everything. I can't believe Black is talking, yet I can't feel any movement on my hair. Right. Something's up. So, really? reads read? Fucking shut up. And this
0: is, this is one of the things that I think is really strange, is, is that in comics, we only need, I think anyone who's, who reads a lot of superhero comics, as God knows you and I both have, you only need the first thought balloon of something doesn't feel right before you're like, oh, okay, dream sequence you know and not
2: not even dream sequence but like you only need the first one before you're like oh i get that some of these things aren't going to make sense i'm it's intentional right you know something is up it's all you really need to know yeah and for for burn to continually go nope something's up you guys guys do you get it something's up no do you get it something's up and also reed is the worst point of view character for this story because reed historically such a dick who would think that even if nothing was up right Right. I I I don't understand this. Therefore, reality must be broken. Yes. Exactly. Well, and I and I do wonder.
0: Again, is it is it because Burn is. Well, so Burn, I I personally think can be a bit of a nag. You know, he 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 is more than happy to lecture people, at tedious lengths, and the extent to which I feel like the story could have well have been called, this is why we can't have nice things, you know, is all about read more or less second guessing every kind of amazing over-the-top plot development. Um, and yet, the reason why that doesn't work is, is as we see in the later issues, Byrne is more than willing to suck the fun out of his own stories or alternately build entire stories around kind of niggling does it really matter points you know that that are that are his 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 ability to be more fanboyish than thou uh seems to me unlikely that he would turn around and take something like you see guys this is this is you know if you're a killjoy you just can't have fun stuff you just end up having like dream sequences. But instead, it kind of feels like someone told John Byrne the plot at a Comic-Con of what he always wanted to see in a Fantastic Four story, and John Byrne was like, that guy doesn't know anything about science. I'm just going to do this as a story and point out how fucking stupid it is on every fucking page. Is what it feels like. It really does feel like weirdo John Byrne Vendetta, which admittedly, I'm always, that's sort of my go-to place, you know, in understanding most of his stories. But... But it really feels as if it's the case. So, two forty-eight. I don't know. We we don't have to talk about it, other than it's awful. It, I mean, and it's so <laughs> it's, bad. It's, yeah,
2: it's it's feels like it. It feels like it lacks all the things we found charming about Burns' earlier FF issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in many ways, heralds what is to come. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think that it's a particularly sloppily written issue and a very obvious issue. Mm -hmm. But there's something also about the done one where it's like, ah, it's a dream that feels like it's like, you guys, I hope you're ready for a number of one issue shitty science fiction stories because I've got a lot of those up my sleeve. Oh And especially ones that like this issue really also lampshades what John Byrne is watching and reading. Mm. because not only when the moon gets kidnapped, does he point out, it's like space 1999. I mean, the thing actually says that. Yes. But the alien who is impossible and investigates the moon, and of mm-hmm. course turns out not to be real at all, is a Treen from Dandere. Ah, thanks. Like, is, is exactly a Treen from Dandere, mm-hmm. apart from he's gray and not green. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, he's a fucking Treen. Hmm. Interesting. It's a shitty issue, people. Yeah. 249, on the other hand, is also a shitty issue. Can fabulous <laughs> FF survive the ultimate confrontation, man, and Super Dash Man? Super Dash Man, of course, because it's not Superman. That might be copyright. Exactly. Super Dash Man. Yeah. Uh, can the FF fabulous FF survive the ultimate confrontation of man and and Super Dash Man? Who knows? If only there was a thinly disguised Superman analog that we could have in the story to fight the Fantastic Four. Uh, what do you think? Do you think he should? You should like should come from the X-Men run and should be part of John Byrne's continued weird fascination with the X-Men, Jeff? You know, let's just say yes.
0: I think that, again, this is one of the things that sort of bothers me in that I suspect that John Byrne was... In fact, I seem to recall reading an interview where John Byrne thought that he was having himself a grand old time. And, and it's a two-parter, 249 leading into 250. And... 249 is is again one of the things that was weird about it is I remember seeing this cover I remember sort of reading the the comic at least on the stands and being like oh boy I'm really going to look forward to reading this and it was it was not fun. I I have to say the <laughs> amount of not funness that John Byrne is able to pack in on a page by page basis here uh I think the thing that is really interesting is is that again Weirdly enough, for somebody who spent a lot of time piecing together his stories in a way that where they really worked, this one seems remarkably half assed. It opens with Gladiator, uh, basically taking out an entire scroll uh, ship or armada. Oh, he's chasing the ship, which the scroll ship lands on Earth, the Gladiator. Lands on Earth is angry and pissed off. Ben tries to confront him, and basically, you get the sense that Gladiator decides to beat the crap out of him for no reason. The motivations are really flimsy like, really, really flimsy here in a way that I'm kind of disappointed. I'm disappointed in Burn for a guy who spent a lot of time – let's put it this way. This is a story as sloppy as a writer who wasn't drawing a comic would give when they don't really care about the uh, the artist. You know what I mean? Oh, like, sure.
2: Th- this issue is pretty much – you can imagine a, a writer doing a Marvel method being like first three pages. The gladiator confronts the scrolls, ends in an explosion. Okay, yeah. and then I want three pages of just whatever, whatever you want. Just get, like, you know. Background stuff, subplot stuff, whatever you want. Yeah. And then the rest of the issue, I want a fight between Gladiator and the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. The end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and spoilers, that's what you get. Right. It's very much what you get. The other thing that I, I thought was surprising, because I remember reading from the interview, like I said, Byrne had had a lot of fun with this, and part of it was very much Byrne wanting to draw – draw a Superman analog and gladiator being this weird mix of essentially Superman meets Omac in terms of, in terms of drawing the character. And he, I remember him saying like, yeah, I just put all the Superman poses into the character that I've always wanted to do. And it felt right. And in a way, this really is like sort of his weird love letter because because as things go on, Reed ends up having to figure out how to beat Gladiator in a way that is very much John Burns. like, here's my explanation for how Superman's powers work. And so it's, I don't know, it, It's it's kind of like watching cousins kiss. Like, you're not
1: having <laughs> nearly as much fun as they appear to be having with it. And frankly... You're kind of not sure they're actually enjoying it that much either. So it's.
2: Look, it's... skipping past the weird implication of that metaphor, Jeff. <laughs> Do you normally watch other people kiss and, like, really dig it? Is that what you're telling me? But Cussins somehow doesn't. Like, moving past that. <laughs> <laughs> tryingly tried to move past that. No, no, no. Uh, Let's go back to it. Two, uh, by all means. 24- 249. Doesn't even get to the, and then Reed Richards fights back. It's literally the setup, which means the Gladiator fucks up the Fantastic Four. Right. Um, uh, Burn is, sure enough, drawing Gladiator as Superman. And mm-hmm. that's fine. The, the, the Imperial Guard is the Legion of Superheroes. Right. And so Gladiator is the superboy of the team. hmm Sure, that's fine. But there's nothing interesting about the fight. Mm-hmm. Like, if if it is his intention, and the title suggests it's his intention, never mind just the poses of, of Gladiator, like, to play him up as a Superman analog, it's surprising that he just doesn't play him up as a Superman in the dialogue,
0: you know? Yes. Well, yeah, that's one of the things that's really weird about it, is, is when you have Superman-like powers, but without any sort of Supermanness. in fact... This character was barely recognizable from what I remember of the character of Gladiator from the few appearances in X-Men. He just kind of seems like a rampaging lout, which is kind of the opposite of Superman by definition.
2: Which also, kind of works if you're doing a, like, it's Legion, but they're all kind of off, you know? Right. Sure. Yeah. But,
0: well, and I mean, that's it. There there was a little bit of, you know, for, for better or for worse... The the um, you know Shayar were definitely posited as the legion, but Chris Claremont went in and just started doing his thing of like making all of these characters like yes, but I am blind in one eye, like you know he gave them their own things, like Gladiator was kind of he had to stick up his ass in kind of a I don't know Monellish type way, you know, and it and that was fine, it basically worked, but here. Again, you, just get, you see Burn having fun drawing the stuff that he's drawing. Also, can we talk about, if we don't mind, this issue has something that I feel comes up in Burn a lot here, which is experimentation with panel layout or trying to do surprising things on the page that I feel kind of don't work. Uh, oh
2: he's a he's a big fan not necessarily in his panel layout i think his panel layout for the most part is generally like fairly boring but in his angles within the panels he loves doing like i you could follow the story just by following it or what if it's worm's eye bird's eye worm's eye bird's eye overhead shots and you're like oh jesus fucking christ john well just Fucking slow down. So my my big thing, because
0: uh, I'm okay, I'm actually okay with that sort of thing. No,
2: uh, well wrong. I get it.
0: Uh, well, okay, <laughs> I'm just saying it doesn't bother me nearly as much as there's a panel where Ben is pick a page where uh, Ben oh, gets punched through the exactly. He gets yeah. punched through a bunch of cars and burn in order to to set do the setup of showing how many cars Ben is punched through. Uh, it's like it it's a bunch of diagonal panels and the second diagonal panel is Gladiator punching Ben and you see all these cars breaking apart god only knows about the people being killed in them and then in the third panel Shh, you see
2: all apart cars of course yeah
0: exactly go through the rest of the cars and then you see Ben's collision in the uh you know his impact in the upper hand corner of the third panel but the way your eye is set or the way my eye is set to read things it doesn't work like the the no, the he's, first... go, he's
2: going against the way the eye runs yes Gladiator should be punching from the top and Ben should be at the bottom
0: yeah exactly but because Burns like oh I'm going to show you sort of how unnatural this is to create a sense of of impact at least for someone with lazy eyes like me it more or less the second panel disappears as does most of the third, because you go from Ben picking up the car in the top left-hand corner to Ben smashing into a car in the top right-hand corner, and the rest of the page gets lost. Similarly, you know, there's a sequence where um, Gladiator is tilting the Baxter building on its side. Johnny flies down the length of the Baxter building and throws flaming spears... Uh, around Gladiator. And again, the way that Burn, um jams the page together, your eye either goes to the bottom of the page where Gladiator's lifting the panel, is which is fine, and then skips to the last panel, which is the, the Spears of Fire. Like, it's really weird. Like, Byrne's kind of like, I have this idea. and And then he does it, and it's like, well, it doesn't work, but I don't have time for that now basically. I feel like there's a lot of stuff where Byrne is showing off in ways that don't serve him, like do him a disservice in a weird way.
2: I agree to an extent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely on that second page you're talking about. I think the real problem is the lettering, and I think the lettering is also completely fucked on the page with Ben being uh, punched through the cars. Yeah, And I think if the lettering placement had been smarter, it would guide the eye better. Mm -hmm. But you have, for example, in the the panel where gladiators lifting up the building the first panel is on the top of the panel but it's on the right hand side and then the second is below that to the left yeah exactly which just doesn't it reads wrong yeah. and the same is true on the the page where Ben's getting punched through the cars yes like it, it just it, the lettering complicates things as much as they are
0: well i don't know i mean the lettering is trying to sort of guide I mean, it's your tried to eye down yeah. yeah but it but it, it but it doesn't it just i don't know if anything could quite work at that point but it just doesn't and again weird as long as we're we're kibitzing that <laughs> the caption placement being the same color at least in the original on you know non-digitized versions as the cars that ben's being punched through helps lead your eye to the side instead of completing leading it to the bottom. At least it does for mine. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's um, kind of messy, you know? It really is kind of messy. And it's a shame because, it, in theory, it's just a great big punch up issue. Like, reading it, I remember going, like, is this a super long issue? Because it feels like it's been going on forever. It's, it's
2: because the, the fight itself lasts. I mean, it is like two-thirds of the issue. It's a 22-page issue. There is one moment of entertaining isn't the right word, but something that stopped me in my tracks Mm -hmm. is the Franklin threatens gladiator to use him with his powers uh, scene. Yeah. Which uh, you get three panels on the bottom of the page of Franklin threatening gladiator for hurting his mother. Mm -hmm. And it zooms in on his eye. Uh, and talks about how power is rippling through the dark channels of his psyche power, which one threatens to lay waste to the world, only for the next page to be like, nope, can't do it, mental block. Or right. It's just the weirdest fake outs
0: Yeah. Well, because cause again, this this is, and to me, this is uh, this is John Byrne moving into the uh, his unfortunate era as John Byrne, which is nope, rules are rules, I'm not going to break my rules, we're sticking to those rules, remember everyone, how I had it set up, how there's mental blocks here? And I think this is, you know, again, in that same sort of like, Nova's going to be Galactus's Herald forever. He doubles down on these sets of issues of having Franklin be like, can't help, you know. And in a way, there's part of me that sort of, as has if you if you've read all two hundred and forty-eight issues before it as we have, you're kind of like, oh, okay, so at least there's not at least the Franklin Deus Ex Machina is closed. But but kind of without that, it's sort of um you know, it it's just kind of a it's an it's a draggy moment in, in a story that doesn't need draggy moments, you know? And um It ends, interestingly enough, with Gladiator being all like, Ho-ho! I've beaten the thing by slamming a school bus on him. And then the X-Men show up and say something like, You are not Victor yet, Warrior of the Shire. Nor shall you be until you've vanquished us. And we're like, Oh, sure. That's clearly the X-Men. And again, Burn being Mr. Lampshader, is is he... um, even says he's without doubt that no one on all this tiny world is a match for him until he hears words in his own tongue. So so it's kind of like Byrne is already taking the opportunity to be like, hey, it's the X-Men, but it's not because I don't fucking like drawing the X-Men, kids. Dig it you know it's kind of but
2: also like and then goes next issue the x-men rush to the rescue or do they right. no because they don't sound like the x-men and you've just said that they're fucking speaking alien language yeah exactly Last time I checked, Cyclops mm-hmm. couldn't do that yeah so there's just this tremendous
0: like right off the bat you're like this is uh, wow. This is Burn being like, "Check it out, guys! I'm letting the air out of the tires. Yeah, we're gonna be driving down for the next three blocks on all flats.
2: Check it." <laughs> issue two hundred and fifty, X Factor. <laughs> Stanley proudly presents the two hundred and fiftieth issue of the Fantastic Four! Exclamation point. Is is terrible. I bought this issue when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I remember buying this issue when I was a kid. I, still, as a like as a back issue, right? Because I I def- bought it like I think Byrne was even off the book. Wow! So let's say let say I bought it in like eighty seven, eighty eight, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I bought it after reading an interview with Burn, ironically mm-hmm. enough, Jeff, where he talked about when he brought the X Men into X into Fantastic Four, he made sure that he drew them entirely differently, so they didn't look like the same characters he drew in the X Men. That's a fucking lie. Yeah. I, it, <laughs>
1: did he I mean, misspeak like that's really <laughs> weird
2: like because when he's... this even though these are clearly <laughs> the scrolls i mean really obviously there's no doubt whatsoever and quite why he manages to, like yeah. he's like i can keep this shit going for half the issue yeah I, I don't know how he thought he can get away with that because they're clearly the scrolls maybe you and i are just super smart because I don't know if you read the letters pages in these issues, but when it gets to letters for this issue, people are like, I only began to suspect something was wrong with the X-Men when they talked about killing people. And I was like, oh, the fact that they were not talking in character at all before that, right. and for that matter, speaking in an alien language isn't yeah. enough for you? Yeah, yeah.
0: No, it's, you know, and the thing is, is again, I don't mean to, well, it's kind of like everyone's like, sure, Jeff, you don't mean to bash yeah, me I drive. Yes, do. Of Ooh. course I do. But It would be, it almost makes more sense, and maybe Byrne rejected this as too Bill mantlow ish to have it where the scrolls are actually the more respected characters and the X-Men being the mutants and the outsiders are the characters that are actually legit, but like the FF don't know because they react via their, you know, some sort of deep-seated prejudice or something. Yeah, but Bart
2: would never do that because that would require the Fantastic Four to have prejudice.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bart has
2: firmly moved into there's nothing wrong with any of the FF at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, the worst thing that any of them can do is Johnny cannot see that, what's her name, Julie Angel is not into him. That's the worst thing that any of the characters do in these issues. Right, right. Oh, we should have said uh, two forty nine. The highlight of two forty nine, at least for me, was the return of Julie Angel.
0: It's true. I actually enjoyed that return more than for whatever reason. I don't. I don't exactly know why. Maybe because it led to some sort of weirdo. I don't know. I, I I don't know why I enjoyed. Maybe I just enjoyed it because Byrne was cl- that was something where he's like, yeah, I, I'm drawing a Commedia dell'arte chick in Central Park, and I'm like, oh, okay, John Byrne, this is this is this is a uh, I will cosign this view of New York, you know? Like I don't know, but uh, but two yeah, two fifty is basically kind of a it should be one of those classic like. All the hero- all these super guest stars show up and they you know, everyone's punching each other but no you don't really know who's who or what's what. Yeah, or what's why's going why. on. Yeah. yeah, and and yet it actually feels unbelievably painfully obvious what's happening at every point.
2: You know to so the point where you think the superheroes are idiots for not yes. working out. Yeah. For example, Spider Man sees Gladiator fighting the X-Men, joins in and Nightcrawler Tries to bite his neck. Yes, and he's like, well, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. What? What would that be about?" Yes, uh, they see Nightcrawler disappear behind a truck. That's right, and uh, Angel fly and out then, the other side. And yeah. Angel flies out, and they're like, "I can't believe Angel was hiding behind that truck all that time." Yeah, I wonder where Nightcrawler's gone. Are you idiots? <laughs> Seriously, people, it's it's and it's full of that. It's 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 such a weird. Again, it feels like Byrne plotted it super quickly, you know? Well, and
0: again, Burn doing his kind of uh because there's one point Burn being Burn being fanboyish, like there's all these people who are talking about like, wait, Cyclops' optic blasts don't have heat to them, they're purely concussion based. And I'm like, oh fuck. You know? Because again, this is Burn being like, no. No, no, no. People always say that that Iron Fist, you know, that should burn. But Cyclops' thing, it's a concussion blast. It's an optic blast. It's concussion. Look, I'm showing concussion. Or I was supposed to, but then Chris Claremont wrote in something about his vasectomy in there. But it's supposed to be about concussion. For God's sakes, people, keep up with me here. And that's it. It's kind of someone being Mr. Like, oh, keep up with me here. When you're like, I I feel like I'm six steps ahead of this. And I remember feeling that way when I was sort of flipping through the book 30 years ago. Reading it now, it's kind of like the only thing that really throws me off is why the fuck is the scene with Alicia there? You know, like there's a scene where like everyone's like rough and tumbling it. And you've got Ben and Johnny like jumping back into the fray. And they're both kind of like yelling their their taglines. And you get... You cut back to Alicia, who's there like sculpting something of Ben. The radio says that you know, that they uh, that there's a battle raging between the Fantastic Four and a gray skinned super being, and Alicia's basically like, Ben, oh my beloved Ben, I'm just going to jam my fingers into this like clay thing that I'd done of you, fucking your face up forever. When will we at last love without fear? And I'm like, What? What's happening there? Why am I? Well, so no, that's
2: that's there because it's the two hundred fiftieth issue, and you have to remind people that Alicia and Ben's romance is the big romance of the comic. Is that why? Yeah, that's it. Is there because it's the anniversary issue? <sighs> that that's it. Byrne is weirdly obsessed with telling you that Alicia and Ben's relationship is really important, without ever showing you it. Yeah. Because by this point we've had the hey everyone they fucked when they were all miniature dolls,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but Ben feeling bad about that for you know the grand extent of an issue, right? Um and and this and then you get the the crazy subplot that begins in the next issue, but mm-hmm. it it's again it's all this is meant to be important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This should be here because it's like Alicia that's that's what the kids want superheroes fighting each other and there's guest stars that's what the kids want and it's none of it it's all lousy okay so the basic plot of this issue following on from the previous issue gladiator is fighting the x-men the x-men are of course the scrolls even though you don't find that out until i mean really it's like 10 pages before the end and it's a yes. double size i mean yeah, it's astonishing yeah. um Spider-Man and the America get involved because, of course, they get involved. Uh, Johnny and Ben continue the fight with Spidey and Cap while Reed and Sue go, oh, I can think my way through this problem. Or rather, Reed does because, of course, Sue's just there to go, what about my baby? And by baby, do I mean Franklin or do I mean Reed? Who can even tell at this point? I will be concerned. <laughs> And that's the end of it. They discovered the (laughs) Skrulls. They all team up against the Skrulls. Gladiator's like, oh, you guys, guess they were the Skrulls. Okay, shit happens. Catch you later. Going back into space. The end.
0: Well, and of course, John Byrne being like, and that's how Superman's powers work.
2: You know? And it's just like, uh Okay, I meant to ask, was that something that was part of Gladiator canon before this? Uh, We should explain Reed defeats Gladiator, who has so far been impervious to any harm Mm -hmm. because he convinces gladiator that captain america is actually reed richards gladiator tries to attack reed richards by punching him it has no effect gladiator is so shaken in his self-belief that his powers fail him Mm -hmm. i have always known that but i think that's because i first read about gladiator in the official handbook of the marvel universe right which I'm... came out after the story, so it's one of those like, is this the first time it happens? Yes, because it's it's such a wacky explanation.
0: Yeah, my my understanding, although I could be wrong because I am far from a completist, but from what I remember, at least up through up through Claremont and Burns X Men, and even I think after. I'm trying to think when the hell these guys the Imperial Guard pop up after Byrne leaves yeah, I, can't,
2: I can't even think of it I, 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 I
0: don't remember which is interesting considering you get Cockrum on the book again but it 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 is it's 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 all here like I said it's all very much laid out and again Burn kind of I feel makes everything obvious and manifest so that people are like oh okay I get it right this is this man and Superman and this is Byrne talking about this is where this is where Superman's powers come from. It's the, you know, psionic, et cetera, et cetera, which honestly, again, is one part. Um, I feel is, is maybe a theory that was cribbed off of Larry Niven or something. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't mean to give, give it any, I don't mean to take away from it because honestly, I feel like that's part of what Burns really excited by, I guess, you know, uh, uh,
2: but it's not, well, he's he's not excited by his own plot. Because, yeah. again, I mean, we so so far we've had two forty eight where the plot is literally fantastic. It, it's a dream sequence. He kills, he destroys the moon, and he kills off the rest of the team. Yeah. And then goes, "It's a dream, right? Why? Like, what's it got to do with anything? Fucking crystals that I'm not going to explain. Whatever. Let's move on. Right. And then you have two forty nine, two fifty, which are amazingly sloppily plotted. Well, it's basically yeah. like the Marvel cliche of, you know, misunderstanding breeds fight. Right. stretch stretched those two issues, but it kind of forgets the misunderstanding part.
0: Well, right, because the level of, of... and But I think this is also part of it. 248 and part really saps some of the energy out of 249 and 250 because 248 is a... Everything you know is wrong in what you're seeing, you're not actually seeing, followed by 249 and 250, in which part of what, motive, what ends up being the denouement Is the characters that you thought were the characters aren't really the characters, and Gladiator's powers are more or less powered by belief. So it it kind of feels of a piece, if you know what I'm saying. Well, that's just like like a a better writer would have Mm -hmm. played
2: up the similarity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe you know could even could even have gone. Reed thought about this, you know, way to defeat Gladiator, right? By thinking about what had just happened to him on Atalan yeah but instead you have I'm Reed Richards I'm super smart thankfully I was just working on my convince an alien Captain America is actually Reed Richard's helmet which is basically, <laughs> that's basically what happens he goes back to the lab yeah. and it's like ah my helmet I was working on this this coincidentally happens to be exactly what I need yeah exactly to defeat the gladiator yeah. and, I mean it's super super sloppy it, it's it's uh, ah here's the thing. As bad as these stories are, I still think they're better than what follows.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree
2: because yeah, yeah, two fifty-one into the negative zone. <laughs> uh, on the plus side, they do go into the negative zone. On the minus side, everything else about the net six issues. Oh God, that's for uh, sure. Well, this it, yeah. I, I you may or may not remember, Jeff, when we first did the, the burn when we did the first burn six issues. You, we were like, these are really good. And you said something along the lines of, when does it go wrong? Yeah, I said, right. I 250? I didn't realize I was quite so right. Yeah. yeah, yeah Because yeah. 251 is, is, there comes a, a point, and I think it actually might be 251, where Burn really does become so focused on how things work mm-hmm. that he would rather exposition his way through this book yeah. than have the characters have any character anymore. Yeah. <laughs>
0: no and and that is to in my mind precisely the point of what where I think of of burns' comics, like the later day John Burns stuff is panels of characters standing around explaining stuff to each other. The other thing that I think is kind of interesting is is that I feel that issue two fifty one sort of underlines i think a problem with burns plotting that we've sort of seen in 249 like 249 has 10 full pages before gladiator shows up and just proceeds to fight 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 and then issue 250 is tremendous amounts of fight 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 fight, with a little bit of read back in the lab being like okay here's how we solve this 251 is kind of for a story that's called into the negative zone Burn doesn't quite get do doesn't get to the last page and be like okay now you're in the negative zone, but it's really close. It's really two I, pages. It's really than, yeah. the
2: third last page. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> I mean, it
2: genuinely is. You guys, mm-hmm. the third last page that we finally get there. What is interesting to me about you saying that is. The filler stuff before getting there is probably my favorite part of the book. I think so too, because it is the FF being the
0: FF, you know?
2: Yeah. And mm-hmm. and because, to let everyone know, for the next six issues, the FF are going to be in the negative zone having science adventures. Yeah, And when I say science adventures, I mean you can literally tell what John Byrne has just been watching or reading <laughs> because he then tells that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, all of them are terrible. Right. It's the strange thing where I think Burn is totally right to go, oh, they're not superheroes, they're adventurers. Mm-hmm. 100% on board. He then forgets to actually give them fun adventures. See, this is the part that really is a
0: bummer, is I love the idea of the FF going into the negative zone to have adventures, to have science adventures, and a little bit of the, because of the way that time works and blah, blah, it's, they can be gone for months and months, and they're going to come back in a couple of minutes. It's... It's a neat concept in theory, but that's that is my problem with these twelve issues of of the FF. Is every time it's like in theory it sounds great, but you know, apart from the little bits and pieces of you know the FF's character bits, like you said, those were also my favorite points too, parts too. But I was also aware of how much they kind of drag and in some cases they're really forced there's a scene in which franklin's playing video games sue comes up on him as and is invisible and then basically startles him and scares him because he didn't know she was there and he's like she was she thinks but there was a time before he lost his mutant powers when my invisibility wouldn't have hidden me from franklin i hadn't given it much thought until now But the Baxter building is no place for a normal child. No place at all. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Sue? That's like the weirdest transference,
2: (laughs) you know? Exactly. But also, what is Sue doing? I turned invisible and then suddenly appeared in front of my child and he's concerned, I'm worried. Yes. Why really? I mean yeah. you just stop fucking creeping up in your child's suit? Exactly. Stop drinking
1: so much at like noon that you fucking can't remember whether you're visible or not. Don't
0: blame it on the building. You've got a drinking problem. You know, and it's weird that
1: Burns like, yep, and that's my subplot. You know, and again, okay, the
2: the other subplots. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to. We're going to rush through this, Jeff. We're not going to waste time in these things. Rush through these issues. Right. Other subplots. Johnny has decided that he's going to go to school. Well, basically he's auditing, a class. yes, he's yes. auditing a drama class. Yes, he's auditing a drama class with Julie Angel because clearly he just wants to fuck Julie Angel. Right. I don't think... I don't know if he's actually realized this yet, but this is clearly what is setting up. Meanwhile, Julie Angel wants to fuck the adult actor who's taking a refresher course. Who is Christopher Reeve? Yes, exactly. <laughs> who is actually Christopher Reeve? It's very weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but you get to meet... Uh, julie angel's new roommate who jeff you just have to explain this to me and i'm trying to think of a good way of saying this yes is there don't get me wrong i know that john byrne draws everyone ugly Mm -hmm. is there some reason this woman looks quite so terrible i don't like everything like she has the weirdest mullet hairstyle yeah no Massively yeah. oversized glasses. She has a curiously flat face, even for a John Byrne character. Yeah. What is happening? Like, is this John Byrne's version of attractive? I genuinely don't know. Because she reminded me of um, Heather McDonald. Is it Heather McDonald? Heather Hudson.
0: Oh, Heather Hudson from Alpha Flight? From Alpha Flight. Yeah. Right.
2: Really I... reminded me of that. And I was like, maybe that's John Byrne's type.
0: Maybe. Uh, you know, I, I like, don't think so, no.
2: That's his thing. No. But. She's she's such a weird character, Sharon Selick. Again, you can tell what John Burns been watching, and it's fucking Magnum. <laughs> well,
0: it's just strange. the the Sharon Sharon Selick character is really weird. They I, I sort of enjoy the fact that Burns got a little shot of the four of them
2: sitting side by side. And, oh, that's a really cute panel, actually. Yeah. With all of them looking at each other, being like, so that, so-and-so. That's a really cute panel.
0: Yeah, it's a cute panel, and it's kind of like, oh, Burns setting up sort of a love quadrangle it, quickly. And I'm like, there's something where I, I was like, yes, this seems great, you know? Except, again, things are kind of weird. Not only is the Christopher Reeve character, like, a non-entity here and then later when he shows up, but you really can't get a take on what Sharon is because she doesn't seem like she's somebody's cup of tea. Uh, She certainly wasn't mine. In fact, it was kind of that weird, like, is John Byrne trying to, like, again, That I feel like John Byrne's actually trying to draw an unattractive person without calling it out to therefore complicate the whole romantic quadrangle, but trying to do it in a way that isn't the classic stan lee you know completely unsubtle like
2: wow oh, that girl's I, I would, got it. i would love it i would love it if stan lee was doing this plot because sharon Selig would have monologues about why can't he see me why can't he look past my acne slash halitosis exactly you yeah. know oily skin slash whatever yeah Exactly so I get this I, I feel like I've just described myself in high school <laughs> well of course as we all do
0: the other thing that I have to say because we will move on is I love that Reed's special little very similar familiar seeming ship by which they investigate the negative zone is this insane um like it looks like the world's most uncomfortable thing. He's like, Oh, this is great. Everyone's got four seats. We lie down and then it smashes us together against the equipment into a tiny little ship with an annoying noise and drops us into the negative zone. And I'm just like, read you dick. Like you can't come up with something with like a little more space. Like it honestly, when they show them inside it, it doesn't look that uncomfortable, but the way Byrne shows the mechanism snapping shit, yeah. I just imagine everyone just, like, bouncing the fuck off of each other and being like, I think I have a concussion now. First of all, it
2: read. looks amazingly toyetic. Like, it genuinely looks like a toy design mm-hmm. of a spaceship. Right. You can just imagine, like, fold out and stick your action figures in each of these four slots and then yeah. fold it together and they're ready for action. That's right. Um, Good call. But also, he totally cheats. Like, when you see them all lying down. Mm-hmm. And then it cl- clicks shut, and then you see inside, it's significantly bigger inside than it should be. Yes, completely. Like, he's really mm-hmm. cheating. There is also, so when they are uh, all sitting in their chairs before it clicks shut, there is another of these panels where the letterer is trying to be cute, and so the lettering actually follows the panels, the edges of the panel. Yeah. The problem being, again, the lettering's in the wrong place. Because you start with the lettering that's on the left, mm-hmm. which should be the last b- dialogue in that panel, because it's what Reed replies to first in the next panel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, that's the the panel where it is revealed that for their entire trip, we don't know how long it's going to last yet, but this is important to remember in later issues. They're not going to eat actual food because Reed has developed capsules that will give them all the protein and energy they need without the need for them to go to the toilet. Yeah. Like and not seems weird in this issue seems more weird when you get to a couple of issues forward. They're like they've been traveling for two months yeah. and I'm like wait it's, they've not
1: eaten food for two months. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it it
0: has that and again this is the part where I think I, I feel that between the lecturing the expositioning The sort of, like, wow, look at this boring science. Isn't it amazing and not boring? And the weirdly picayune, like, don't worry, no one needs to poop, you know, is strangely Silver Age DC-ish to me. It's very much like Byrne spent too much time reading those letter pages being like, but how the fuck does Superman shave? Like, when the hell does he do his laundry? You know, and being someone who really enjoyed those answers, being like, okay, I know what you guys are all thinking, and don't worry, I've got the whole crapping problem figured out.
2: Well, and again, that's a sign of someone who thinks too much about this. Mm-hmm. Genuinely. Anyone reading this comic who was having a problem with, we're going to go adventuring in the negative zone, and their problem was, but when are they going to shit? Yes. Like, that's insane. That's (laughs) ridiculous. That's your problem? The fucking rock man, the stretchy man, the invisible and the guy who goes on fire are going to go into another dimension. And your problem is, but when are they going to find time to shit? (laughs) Really? That's the sort of thing that only someone who spent too much time thinking about this stuff thinks of. Right. No, I know. know, Again, I call it out. Mm Mm-hmm is insane. And then two issues away they like they've been traveling for two months and they've not had one bowel movement since. I know. You're like A- <laughs> really is that what's happening? Yeah. Um the issue ends with them going into the negative zone because it's in the title of the comic you guys. But just and as importantly Alicia,
0: or more importantly,
2: yeah, sorry. Yeah, Alicia who has been left in charge of the child, again, I'm not being uh, I'm not trying to be insensitive. But why do you leave the blind woman in an unfamiliar place in front of a child? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. what is going on there? She should not be in charge of the child in someone else's house. Sure. She could be in charge of the child in her own house. That's fine. She knows where shit is, but you see in the second panel, she is having to stretch out to find out where the fuck she's going. Yeah. Why do you leave her in charge there? What's going on? Anyway, that's all on MacGuffin because just as on page three, John Byrne made a point to say, hey, the negative zone, that's where Annihilus lives. Guess who comes through the negative zone? Annihilus. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, shit. Well, even more to the point, you've got the FF dropping through the
0: negative zone. There's a distort... The passage is roughier, rougher than I anticipated, says Reed. There must be some disturbance not native to this era, area. Some strange flow and ebb in the dimensional matrix. Possibly an object of some kind passing near us in the other direction. But I cannot imagine what that flux might be. Really, Reed? How many times have you been in this fucking place? How many times have you gotten threatened in there?
2: All but of them. it But again, the entire scene before where Ben's like, remember Annihilus? Reed makes a point of being like, oh, see this hole in the ground? It's much harder to get through than when I had the door on it. <laughs> yes.
1: What is even happening? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, don't
0: worry, I have a hole now so that the one character that we always fight who has wings won't be able to fly through it, even though they can fly because they have fucking wings. I'm Reed Richards, everyone. Welcome to my show. I
1: mean, it's... I,
0: uh, oh. So yes, so this sets us up for Cityscape, a fantastic, once again... An issue proving that John Byrne is excited by the idea of experimenting with the comic book form as long as he doesn't actually have to think about the experiment very hard. So, uh,
2: Well, his experiment this time is literally just, what if I draw a comic on its site? Well, which is kind of a great idea, except Byrne doesn't really think
0: it through. Like, you know, he's kind of like, every once... It's like, to me, like looking at like a... I don't know a three D movie or something like that. Every once in a while, there's an effect that it's like, "Oh, this looks really cool." But most of the time, Burns like, "Oh, great! Now I only have half the number of panels on two pages with which to tell my exposition-laden tale. Like, this is really going to drag fucking ass now, you know?" And it, and it does.
2: It's who I, I, I I could just take? Say, yeah, it should. 252 also says on the cover, chapter one of an exciting four-part epic deep within the negative zone. Two things about that. One, it's not chapter one. The previous chapter was the first chapter because that's the one where they fucking went into a negative zone and ended with a cliffhanger. Two, it's not a four-part story. Yeah, Yeah. It's a six-part story. It's a six-part story. And
0: three, where the fuck were our free lakeside skin tattoos? Did you see them in there? I didn't see them at any point in this story.
2: I have to admit, Jeff. That a few years ago at a Comic-Con, I bought the negative zone issues. Oh my god, Um, Graham, you're the best.
1: They they did actually have the tattoos on them. Really? That's awesome.
2: How did they look Uh, at you? Stylish. I honestly don't remember what they looked like even. I've got rid of the issues a while ago, but still. (laughs) Cityscape's plot is, this is the first of a number of issues where it really is. The Fantastic Four drop into someone else's science fiction story. Yeah. The science fiction this story this time is it's essentially the FF come up against an alien structure that they think is threatening everyone so they fight back but oh funny story it's actually living and it wasn't really the evil at all and they by the way they killed someone moving on
0: yeah it's kind of do you, it it's i'm i sort of feel cuz i've never seen them but i kind of feel like Oh, this is what old, really old, boring Doctor Who episodes must have been like.
2: Oh, no. The, the Doctor Who uh, episode is uh, issue 254. Oh, is it? And issue yeah, 250... Like, really, really, really. It's 254, The Minds of Mantra Cora, which, if nothing else, fucking sounds like a Doctor Who episode from the 70s. Um, yeah, two... that's definitely... Okay, that's... so
0: 253 that's... is the Star Trek episode... Two fifty four yes. is the Doctor 254,
2: Who episode. Two fifty five is Doctor Who episode. Two fifty six right. has the title of a Star Trek episode. Yeah, right. The Annihilation Gambit. I mean, you can practically hear the the music
0: going into that point. Can't yeah, you? Uh, you totally can. Alexander Courage stuff's kicking in. Anyway, so yeah, this issue sideways and John Byrne. Um, realizes that he's made a grievous error in that he has Alicia wearing a skirt and then he ties, Annihilus has her tied upside down. Um, And John Byrne is basically like, yeah, skirts, uh, here's how this skirt stays up. It's, you know, there's um, basically the skirt's so tight that the back of the legs prevent the front of the, uh, it's, you know, because she's at a side and that was an amazing, I'm like, why did you do this? Why why hang her upside down in a skirt when you're clearly not, what were you thinking? I don't know. It's really sad when you read an entire issue of the Fantastic Four, and that's kind of your, for me, the thing that I spent the most time thinking about.
2: Okay, well, Annihilus, the Annihilus plot is one of the things to think about the most of these issues, because... Again, spoilers everyone, the Annihilus plot not only doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't go anywhere across two different series because it actually crosses over into the Avengers at the same time.
0: Oh yeah, let's talk we'll talk about that Avengers issue too when we get toward the climax of it because it really does um, sum this sort of stuff up.
2: Um, but also it's yeah. it's like the Annihilus, especially in this issue, is it's writing checks that it can't cash, Jeff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's really suggesting that some like Basically, something is going on, and Annihilus has a purpose, yeah. which he will not have. Yes. Yeah. The most interesting thing about this issue for me is that it takes Reed out of the picture. Reed is is uh, poisoned, right? And then he he, because of course he fucking does. His powers like allow him to essentially stretch around the poison because, of course. <laughs> but it taking Reed out the comic it does two things one it forces the other characters to become more active and gives them permission to make the mistake that they make right because ultimately this is a morality play where the fantastic four fuck up and the only the only way he can get them to fuck up is to take reed out because he really follows the stanley reed can never be wrong
0: yes this this is one of those things where Byrne starts off with this as an idea that he wants to re-embrace, which, you know, whatever. But the but it's here where he starts running up against the limitations of it. Reed can't be wrong. How do you end up manufacturing drama? And so you end up with various ways that you ta- have to take Reed out of the narrative. And it's it's fascinating the way in which... Burn, who has gone to such great lengths to try and recreate the FF bef- sort of before, quote unquote, things went wrong, um, you know, or at least the era that everyone ke- keeps trying to, to emulate mindlessly. Burn somehow works himself back into that own corner by himself, which is... Kind of it's an amazing achievement. It takes a certain amount of hubris to be like, uh oh, I'm gonna I'm not gonna make this mistake that everyone else made. Look at me, I'm so great. Now I'm gonna do what everyone else did, but it's not gonna happen to me. Okay, hold on, what happened? You know? I, I <laughs>
2: exactly wait, but I thought I uh fuck <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> now, but what what's yes, particularly man. interesting about this is yeah. he is foreshadowing what he's gonna do, like three issues away. Mm-hmm. Where, where he essentially takes read out of the book for for a while, yeah, for like four months.
0: Uh, that that was news to me, but yes,
2: exactly. Hey, Jeff, I'm just going to point this out to you. Uh, he takes Reed's last appearance in these issues is in two fifty six, right. Oh yeah, and I
0: guess we're through to two sixty. Yeah. yeah, okay, but that uh, never mind. There's a reason why I was like, "No, Graham, that doesn't count with the Doctor Doom issue because none of them." Appear, yeah, but, I know, yeah, I know. But, yeah. but, but yes, no, no, no. I totally. It's a good point, and you're right. In fact, it's not the only time in the course of these negative zone issues where it looks like Reed is taken out,
2: and I don't know. So, it, well, let's go to it because he because he does have Reed is. Reed is never wrong, and also Reed is the leader. Right. And Byrne is unafraid to go back to the, what if you get rid of the leader mm-hmm. plot? Yeah. Which is kind of, not dumb, necessarily, but at this point in the book, like, there's been an entire era where Reed didn't have his powers. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, mm-hmm. we maybe not every reader of the book has seen this, but definitely long-time readers have seen that the team can go fine without that
0: right right well uh, and more to the point let's let's dip into i was thinking about waiting to to the end of the quote-unquote saga but i think it's worth talking about you know you and i've kind of talked about how the negative zone issues at their best function as a sort of union shadow story you know a counter story about reed Richards, reed richards encountering his darkest self you know it mm-hmm. all all but literally when when you bring back the brute and all that exciting crap but even up to that point you have reed richards ends up in the negative zone and he encounters aspects of himself that he, he doesn't acknowledge in any sort of way but are, is laid out in the story as if is the case now that we have Byrne bringing all of the FF into the negative zone and keeping them there for an extended period of time, is basically, what do you think? Is Byrne unaware of the trope? Does Byrne aware of the, Is he aware of it, but decides to disregard it because, hey, he's John Byrne, and this is how he gets to tell his science fiction quartet stories and show how awesome he is at that. Or is it that Byrne is trying to do something here about Reed and Reed's growth and what they end up encountering thematically?
2: It's definitely not that last one. <laughs> I'll okay. tell you that much. Yeah, I, 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 didn't uh, think I so, genuinely but... think I actually genuinely think uh, Byrne is not aware of the trope. Okay, I, I think Byrne has somehow completely missed it, and that while he does play with Reed more than any other character in okay. these stories. Uh, he's playing with Reed in a, in a very different way, and isn't really interested in that idea. I think, in general, mm-hmm. I think if if you had asked, you know, nineteen eighty three John Byrne, what do you think about, you know, Reed dealing with his shadow self? Mm-hmm. His response would be, Reed doesn't have a shadow self.
0: Yes, I think that's I think that's quite right. I, I think there is something that it doesn't really play into. Burns understanding sort of uh, like, you know, in a way, he's like, Oh, yeah, his shadow self, you mean Dr. Doom? And it's like, Well, sure, Doom's one of those shadow selves, but
1: like,
2: yeah, really... like the... he yeah. just psyched through all of them. Yeah, he'd <laughs> exactly. be like, No, I mean fucking Reeds, I actually mean Reeds himself. Maybe <laughs> I, no, I, the, the Reed of Counter Earth, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So
1: I. Um, hmm.
0: So yeah. I. I think. Sadly, I'm inclined to agree with you. But. But I. When we get to the uh, around issue two fifty five or two fifty six, I have some questions for you in that regard.
2: But for now, uh, issue two fifty three. Exactly. Quest, or rather, the fabulous Fantastic Four learn the dark secrets of the Quest. For some reason, when I said the Quest, I was thinking of the nozzle. Do you remember <laughs> the <Avengers> Brothers? <laughs> Pay attention. Yes. Again, this is a very dull science fiction story. Mm The Fantastic Four come across uh, aliens who are flying a spaceship where they are the last of their race, except for the ones who are in cryogenic storage. And they're trying to find their home planet. And Reed helps them find the home planet and fixes the spaceship. Because, of course, he does. He's Reed Richards. And they find their home planet. And they go down. And it's not the home planet because these pilots cannot breathe on it. And it's because they have changed. Oh, no, they have changed. They fly off in anger. And should they drop the people in Cryogenes off after all? Because they haven't changed. Well, they have. They're dead because the system malfunctioned. Wah, wah, I shit you not, listeners, the best thing about this issue is Sharon Selick saying, hey, Julie Angel, we haven't heard from Johnny for a while. Why don't you give him a call? Julie Angel calling up the back of the building and going, I don't know about this receptionist. And then it got <laughs> a- a- Niles on the phone. I love that. <laughs> so- like so much rules and credins. Oh, I love the idea of Annihilus. Actually answered the phone in the first place, and then thought this is fucking hilarious. If I pretend to be the receptionist, (laughs) like he even knows what that is, but
1: it totally is. He's like, he's not here right now. Can can I leave a message? No, you cannot. Goodbye. And they're like, wow, who's running the bankster boy? He's like, "Ah, this is awesome. It would just be great. Hiring practices are terrible. (laughs) I am anihilous, I am annihilating their. Exactly. Chart, right? like, I am annihilating their good PR. Ha, ha 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 ha. That's that's a subplot that I would want to read. Like Annihilus no, is your refrigerator
2: running. Um, this this is this is the issue. And um, we are two issues into the six-part story. Yeah. This is the issue where you see that John Burton has no idea what to do with Annihilus. Yeah. Because the subplot is genuinely Julie calls up And Alice answers phone Thinking it's hilarious To pretend to be the receptionist Then takes off his mask And his head is hidden Spoilers You'll never see his head Yeah You're not going to see it But he'll, he'll go Oh Imagine He actually says uh, Sometimes I must remove the helmet Lest it threaten suffocate me See how it mocks me With the image of my true lost face You would think again You might see his face At some point during the story You will not
0: Yeah Yep. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. It's again. It's a very boring main plot, which uh, is is utterly unsurprising. It's it. They feel like O Henry stories for people who have never read any stories ever before. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, ah, you thought it was an alien spaceship. It was an alien. You thought they were alive. They were dead. <laughs> but like.
0: That's,
1: but that's the weird, the part,
0: the, but again, the weird part is, apart from the splash page, which I love for whatever reason, it's just, it's. I remember seeing the splash page on this and being like, "Oh, this will be fun." No, it's not. But the splash page looked great. Is this is this is not necessarily outside the um the I don't know the manifest of of what. Kirby brought to the series, particularly post issue 60 or so of the FF, you know, like you see, you see Kirby basically doing a lot of the same stuff, sort of, here's what I was watching for TV on, on the TV that night. Here's my outer limits episode, uh, you know, issue of the FF, but it's, but it's, but
2: it's exciting, you know, I mean, some people, yeah, it's it's fun. Exactly. Kirby always tried to make his stories fun, and I think Burn, bless him, thinks these stories are fun, but I also think that Burn is much more concerned with telling a story that's important, Mm -hmm. and making you think. And if there's an easier way, or faster way, to kill fun, especially in a pulp genre, Mm -hmm. it's to think you're telling an important story.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that that it, that is horrifically true. That is horrifically true,
2: unfortunately. And sadly, that's all he does in the negative zone. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The negative zone setup, we've said it before, it's such a great setup. The Fantastic Four goes into a different dimension for six issues and has adventures. Yeah. And they're all done at once. Someone says that to you, you're like, that's great. Mm-hmm. I'm totally on board. But what they don't say is, it's all John Byrne trying to make a point. And that's capital A, capital P. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Which rhymes Which which stands for pool, as I recall, if my understanding of uh, the music band still holds up. So, issue two fifty four, the Doctor Who episode, "The Minds of Matricora," which was so funny because that first page is so Zardoz, you know. Oh,
2: you say Zardoz, and I honestly think like Tom Baker is about to step out from behind that guy any fucking second. Well. You've got a
0: stronger sense of it. Although, if you're going by Byrne's lampshading, Ben Grimm does mention Zardoz throughout the issue. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, and yeah, well, you're probably right. Let's face it. John Byrne is the character who was like, I've just pulled the moon out of Earth orbit. Let's Ben Grimm reference Space 1999 just in case. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so the the basic this is actually a two-parter. It's 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 not a done one after all. That's right. But it's it, it's done one in the same sense of a lot of Burns other two-parters so far, which is you kind of have a not a complete story per se, but the second part feels like a different chapter. Mm-hmm. It feels like a, a different element. So you have, you know, the man who had the power to do anything and then suddenly it's Ego! Yes. Or you know it's Terax, and suddenly it's Galactus! It's like that. It, it, there is a, a certain conclusion yes. uh, to this issue. But again, what makes this issue interesting isn't the main plot, which, spoilers, the guy who Jeff thinks is from Zardos, I think is from Tom Baker, Doctor Who. It's all a sham! He's a little bug inside, and he's going to suck Reed Richards' brain out for his master computer. Spoilers, he'll succeed. It's the subplots again. You see... Uh, the first appearance of of She-Hulk, mm-hmm. of Burnt She-Hulk in this I- issue, she's still an Avenger because we're leading into the Avengers crossover. But you more importantly get to see, uh, as much as you can see in a Quota-Proof comic, the Reed and Sue have fucked. Yes. And that's important because you might just think, hey, good for them. But no, it is John Burnt setting up that Sue is pregnant.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Which is kind of, which is kind of a bummer,
0: because frankly, again, in that weird way, that if only Burn was as interested in bringing personality to these characters, or thinking of ways to bring personality to them, or have them have something that isn't just sort of driving forward his really kind of monotonous plots, the idea, the in the early part, because so each each. Issue so far has the FF on, in a different sort of settingslash scenario. And here they are. They're on a planet that's, uh, you know, kind of a desert planet. And basically they end up in kind of a most isolated type place. And basically they check into an inn. And Sue literally kicks Ben and Johnny out and says, like, why don't, well, just Johnny, and says, why don't you guys come back in an hour? Which is kind of
2: great like there's just something and about... it's also kind of great
1: that the, it's yeah. kind
2: of great that the panel is also a being like they're gonna fuck yes! like, literally I, our ins are gonna be busy for a while I think it's so did his smile he's got such a shitty grin he's like yeah okay yeah we've literally all been in a tiny little capsule for like three months by this point sure yeah exactly and there's something that's sort of like
0: there's for just a few panels I'm like ah, oh, there's recognizable human beings with, like, recognizable wants and needs and ways in which they have to deal with it, and everyone is basically more or less okay because they're adults, you know?
2: And it's it's great. Well, and, and, and the next page has uh, Johnny finding what Ben, I think, like, fairly rightfully mm-hmm. calls a brother. Yeah. Um, and Johnny's like, it's a an nightclub, but that has the great line. What does it hurt to window shop? Johnny, you yeah. latch. <laughs> exactly. Really? Exactly. But again, it's kind of fun might not be the right word, but you see the characters do something that is not for the plot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. j- for like two pages, the characters do something that's not for the plot. Sadly, both of the things end up being for the plot. Yes, because exactly. Because Reed Sue mm-hmm. have to fuck so that Sue can get pregnant and Johnny has to go chasing after the woman so he can get mugged so that he can end up revealing himself so that he can end up getting like distracted allowing Reed to get captured by the Mantra Cora, etc, etc. But for like those two pages, you're like, oh, wait. They're actually, they're not just slaves to the plot after all. Right two pages it's of like ah, while it lasts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Also, I have to say this is one of the things
2: <coughs> that I never
0: knew that I appreciate Burn pointing out to me, which is Reed Richards stretching without his costume is disturbing as fuck. It
1: really is, right? Isn't it? I don't so get see, it.
2: it. <laughs> Let's see Reed later uh, stretching while still topless, and it's something really weird. I think it's because we're so used to seeing him stretch in the blue yeah. So seeing him stretch while pink is super weird. Why? Part of yeah. it is so. Yeah. Burn has a really odd idea of anatomy mm-hmm. in general. There's a uh, I can't remember which issue it is, but earlier on, there's an issue where Sue is falling over, mm-hmm. and her it looks like her ribs are actually coming out of her chest. <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, what is actually happening? And the same thing happens here. There's a shot where Reed is stretching, and you see his profile, and you're like, again, his ribs are coming out of his chest. Right. What is actually happening here? Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe no,
0: he's super skinny at the time. I don't know. <laughs> there it is. There's some really uh... well, and then and then it's that classic. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. There's uh, a back-in-the-negative-zone panel where Matricora is talking to an ostensibly unstretched Reed Richards, who's still shirtless, and he looks completely fucked up. Like, it's all weird. The anatomy is weird. He looks like he's sucking in his gut, but that his ribs have slid, you know, halfway down his chest. (laughs) It it does look like he's like, oh, I'm not wearing clothes. I should really... Okay, Metricor, you've got me now. And meanwhile, he seems to have grown an extra elbow on his, like, right arm. It's just like John Pern, What are you
2: doing? Don't, don't st- st- stop lampshading this. That I'm, really I'm is my. Think, yeah. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this, but I think one of the ways that Pern is able to be so productive at this point is he's inking while he's drawing.
0: Yes. Yeah. So he's more and or less.
2: Lots of lots yeah. of mistakes are coming through.
0: Yeah. I think I think that's I think that's absolutely true. He, he's he really is. That's how he's cutting his corners, because honestly, a lot of his stuff is <coughs> there's some cheats. But there are things where Byrne is amazingly detailed in some of his choices. Like there's a panel of New York, just a total New York and passing thing that I was like, Jesus Christ, John Byrne. Why did you spend so much time drawing those fucking buildings? Like,
2: even well, if not, you just, just light not, the, tabled the it. Panel. Mm-hmm. Is Anailus inside the Baxter Building with the most fucking detailed machine? Yes, that serves no purpose whatsoever. I mean, you know, ultimately, sort of, but not really. So I don't know. So I mean, it, actually, let's for a second talk about the Annihilus subplot. Uh, Annihilus says, "I've stripped away the power core to the negative zone and across uh, access portal and adapted the generators. Now I need now only close a single switch." At this point, you still don't know what Annihilus is doing, right? And much like the uh, Inhuman story that we started off with this episode, there's an awful lot of, of Burn just being like, it's a gimme. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll have a character show up at the end and be like, oh, he was really doing this. Yeah. But there's never any motivation behind this. And this is a subplot that goes on for six issues of Fantastic Four and an entire issue of The Avengers.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, and, well, we'll get there. We'll get there, because <laughs> I'm still like, ugh, it so annoys the shit out of me. On the plus side, people who are here being like, stop complaining, there's got to be reasons why you're enjoying reading this. Aren't you enjoying this at least a little? Don't you get joy out of any of this? And uh, the fact is,
1: the, you know, these were okay
0: reads in the sense that there were words <laughs> and there were pictures. But honestly, the fucking, when Reed Richards actually talks about the the beer tasting distinctly of barbiturates and passes out in his food, that's awesome. Like, that is something that I wish was a standard FF trope, where, like, where Reed is actually talking about the drugs that are in his food while the drugs knock him out. I could have that in every issue of the FF, and I would be
1: <laughs> the happiest man alive. Seriously. <laughs> that that should be... the, very, the big interest. It, it's, like, it's, you've gone. None more niche, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying everyone's got a thing like Johnny yells flame on and Ben yells. It's clobbering time. Why can't Reed just pick up a thing? Exactly. And then it's like two, basically it's two birds with one stone because then you're like, Oh no, Reed did the
0: thing where he drank from the wrong thing again and passed out in his food. How are we going to solve this problem without him? And then when he wakes up, he'll be like, Oh, right. I know. And then, you know, the story ends. Ta-da. So, um, yeah, issue 255 of the FF is, is called, uh, well, okay, it lies because it says continuing the Great Negative Zone saga, which that is not happening. I
2: mean, it's continuing the Negative Zone saga. Yes. Sadly, we haven't seen the Great One yet.
0: But it's really continuing the Jeff and Graham saga because the story is called Trapped.
2: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but We're not the one that's trapped, Jeff. Do you know who's trapped? Fucking Daredevil. Yes, Daredevil, who has an opening four-page sequence complete with
0: a—I I would argue—a not especially well laid-out dynamic, you know, unorthodox. Oh, no, it's terrible! Page. You're Isn't talking about bad? page
1: three.
2: Yes, page three is appallingly bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I again—I'm guessing that he's been reading Miller and, and Janssen yeah. and is like, "I can do that," and proving that he really can't.
0: He really can't. But page it's like is mm,
2: terrible. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, for people who want to know why it's so terrible, let's just say... It's I, I'm ter- going to put it in this, but notes. Oh, okay, good. Then I don't have to try and
2: explain it. Because it's just bad. Meanwhile... It's, it's Daredevil falling across a page in Silhouette, except he's not because Jumburn doesn't seem to realize how the eye works. Mm-hmm. And then he falls out of Silhouette because apparently it's not Silhouette. It's just really dark shadow. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just... It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> but it does have the most amazing narration. Yes. I don't know why Burton felt the need to massively overwrite the Daredevil narration, but boy did he. Mm-hmm. In the years an accident with a canister of radioactive material robbed young Matt Murdock of his sight, he's fought an endless war on crime, both as a costumed de- crusader Daredevil and as Matthew Murdock attorney at law. It has not been easy. The accident gave him super sense of hearing, touch, smell, taste, and some random element to replace his lost sight with an unerring radar sense. But it has taken long hours of work and training to hone his body to its almost perfect physical condition. That's only two panels so far, everyone.
0: Oh my God!
2: Now he's much at home bounding across the rooftops of the Big Apple as he is defending the innocent in, in her proud courts of law. But in this particular spring morning, a surprise away Daredevil. devil. He then bounces off the invisible wall. Stunned by the impact, he drops like the proverbial stone. Another man was surely plunged to his death in a grimy sidewalk 12 floors down. But Daredevil is not another man. Even before his conscious mind is fully active, his finely tuned instincts are in overdrive. He will not face the final darkness this day. Do you get it? Because he's blind to final darkness. But he will try to find (laughs) out what it was he hits When he lands, he lands running. What the hell? Yeah. I mean and for people who who uh,
0: let me wake you up from your your lovely gram induced nap that's only he didn't he ignored I mean, this splash page which had even more I mean, nonsense of text
2: you. yeah it's early spring the polluted air on that over the. <laughs> Oh God! Sightless can detect the faintest odor in the everyday mire of sense of smells. The change is most welcome. Sightless, he moves across the man-made canyons as easily as another man might traverse a sidewalk. He is Daredevil, (laughs) the man without fear.
1: Oh God,
0: people! So yeah. Also, weirdly enough. It says that this is Burn is the Chronicler. They don't mention an inker on this issue, but I'll be goddamned if Burn is inking himself on this, at least fully. Do you agree, or am I just... Well, Burn is definitely inking himself in, 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 for the majority of this issue. I feel like those first three pages are so un-Burn-like, uh,
2: you know, in terms of... They're totally Burn-like to me. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. They are also very... Burn is rushing to hit deadline like but they're very burn like. Uh,
0: maybe that's it maybe that's it because I really had one of those things where some of this stuff and again kind of the <coughs> sightless eyes of I don't know like just look at look at uh, what says page 7 by you know the in the GIT core stuff where you've got Reed kind of staring blankly as his soul has been drained out of his body with his like little tiny eyes I'm like That just doesn't, there's something that's so rough. Maybe Burns, like, drafting with, like, instead of inking with his regular pen, he's, like, inking with a different pen or something. But there's parts of this where I'm, like, it kind of seems like Klaus Janssen was called in to, like, draw stuff on, like, in a big rush. Or there's a few points where I'm, like, or Alex Nino or somebody that does not look like Burn to me, but... But you know you've got a better sense for these things,
2: so I'll I'll take your word. I, I I could be entirely wrong. What what have we missed? An analysis is talking. About, yeah. analysis is, is talking to uh, Alicia, and as he did a couple of issues ago with Franklin, goes, "Ah, you're no used to me," and throws her across the room right. before just jumping and saying, "I promise you a terrible death, female. Now I shall fulfill that promise." No, you won't. Yeah, which gets onto this whole horrible.
0: Then, meanwhile, we cut back to the negative zone where Reed Richards has had his soul drained out of him by, I don't know, the subhuman space cockroach who is, uh, oh, the Matricora is, uh, oh, no, Matricora is a planet. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm.
2: Who is also now, like, completely abandoned his his human costume.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's like,
2: now now that the readers know I'm I'm an insect, I'm just going to stay an insect.
0: Yeah. Him. weirdly enough doesn't this issue almost seem like it, like the it, it reminds me a lot of the Mensch Sinkevich issues for some reason I guess maybe because there's such a weird like people like Burn doesn't really seem to know what he's doing as far as pacing like there's a big sequence that is essentially this the icky creature being like aha now I'm launching my spaceship now I'm going to you know and they're like we're gonna stop you he's like oh no you're not Everything you try and do, you're run. I'm running around in this special spaceship set just for me, and you guys aren't even going to be able to guess the crazy type crap I've got going in, like a trap door, you know. And it's 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 really weird.
2: Meanwhile, the spaceship. It's also, once yeah. he once he has stolen Reed's mind, which happened in the previous issue. Yeah. He has nowhere to go with this story. Yeah, he kind of does. Literally, he has like three pages of I'm running away, I'm climbing up my ladder, I'm climbing along the walls, I'm jumping down to my trapdoor... And then he has a double-page spread of, and then my spaceship's taking off. Because you know a bird's like, oh, fuck, I really have no idea what I'm doing with this story.
1: Well, yeah, because he kind of has this thing where he's like,
0: okay, Reed's brain's been sucked out of his head. The spaceship is bursting into space, and everyone's in trouble. And meanwhile, the Annihilist story has finally, like, broke into where I want it to get to. But there's no... There's just no, there's no, there's no real sense of threat here. It's all incredibly lightweight. Like, Byrne is, he's coming up with things that make, make for an exciting page by page, as long as you don't think about the larger story. But the vast ennui that has set in several issues ago is really, I don't, you know, it's, he just doesn't seem aware of how heavily it's, it's cutting against what he's trying to do. So.
2: Well, and, and his, his climax of the story is amazing. Mm-hmm. So the setup of the story is Reed's brain has been stolen to complete the computer so that this alien can take off with his spaceship. Right. Alien takes off, Reed goes, ha-ha, you were greedy, you had too many brains, now I am the sole brain that still exists and I'm in control of your spaceship. The alien goes. I'm going to get in an escape pod, which just so happens to be faulty and explodes. Yeah. And then Reed off-panel puts his own brain back into his own body with the help of the special helmet. Because of the whole nature of,
0: like, we've got lots of time in here. It it actually doesn't he have
2: this say? Like, I've said the course two weeks. Two weeks. He says it takes two weeks. Yeah. But so. still. It happens between panels, Jeff. Yes, completely. It took 72 years. Like, it really is just like, "Eh, sure, whatever. It's amazingly sloppy.
0: Yeah. Yep. I agree. I I agree. And so finally you get to the whole boring... Oh, God. Okay, this pisses me off so much because the the last page is is essentially the FF being like, the, the only way we can get back... Is going through the dimensional interface where Nega space, the, the area of Nega space where matter and antimatter meet in mutual annihilation. With the access tunnel apparently destroyed, that is the only way we can return to Earth, and that way lies certain destruction. And out of nowhere, you've got Ben thinking, uh, Alicia. And then below that you have, you know, Burn or the editor trying to amp things up, being like it's not over yet. The story continues next month in Avengers 233 and right back here with The Annihilation Gambit. Enough said. Now, if like me, you turned around and read uh, issue Avengers 233 um, you basically it 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 is poorly paid. It doesn't end up if you read it it actually spoils the the next issue before you get there and vice versa if you read the next issue without reading avengers so even though even though uh Roger Stern over in the Avengers and John Byrne are working completely closely to one another to bring us this dynamic story Ooh. Burton co-plots the Avengers
2: issue and yeah. draws it. And
0: draws the breakdowns. And somehow it still doesn't coordinate. It's, ah, oh, it, that pissed me off so much when I read it. Also, so very quickly,
2: yeah. what mm-hmm. happens in the Avengers issue is that that takes place all on Earth as the Avengers realize there is this force coming from the Baxter building. Yep. Something is going on in there and they try and deal with it. How it is dealt with is that both the Vision and Captain Marvel are able to get to or get through the barrier. Um, the Vision essentially deactivates once she's inside. Captain Marvel, however, manages to get through. When she gets through, the barrier disappears.
0: Well, but, but it's supposedly kind the of. FF. Yeah, exactly. At the same time, the FF are being like, the only way we're going to get through this is if someone's fighting an Annihilus on the other end. You know, and so hooray they do. What strikes me about this crossover between the Avengers and the FF The Avengers is an issue that is Roger Stern, John Byrne, and Mark Grunwald. So it is, in a way, none more 80s Marvel than you can get. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel it really, unfortunately, illuminates one of the great weaknesses about this era and these creators, which is most of the issue are the Avengers dealing with an immovable object and you see each of them try and put their powers to the task with Thor throwing his hammer through it and it just dropping to the ground and him going, huh. And it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a weird late night comic book convention conversation over drinks about exploring something in the most innately boring way possible. This issue is really unbelievably dull. You have in theory in order to somehow make it as dull as it actually is, but to give it a threat, Annihilus's whole like I've created the perfect force field that will shove everyone out of out of New York such that I will then launch the second phase of my super ray that will coat everything in radiation and then only then will it actually cross over with a cross make the negative zone and the positive area both exist at the same time thus wiping them both out and you're like isn't this i it was it's it's there's so much work being put in to create the dullest menace possible like I don't mean... I'm no booster of the fan Independence Day, the movie, but if you can sort of imagine the trailer of Independence Day where the spaceship hovers over the White House and then, oh, I don't know, proceeds to, like, write a series of persnickety letters to the editor instead of blowing up the White House, that's kind of what this two-part crossover is. Both parts of it, the Annihilation Wave and this part, are they're they're just it's just fright frightfully dull, don't you think? Just like really kind of like depressingly dull.
2: No, I I, I actually incredibly agree with you. <laughs> okay, it's it's uh it's just technically, I guess, the entire negative zone storyline has been building up to this. Right, that's only really true in that burn has every issue so far giving you a couple of pages of Annihilus being like I'm up to something Yeah, I am I'm totally up to something you guys but when you get to uh, FF256 and Avengers 233 you realise no one has any idea what he's really up to like mm-hmm. it's such a MacGuffin yeah and I would actually argue that the Avengers issue is better than the Fantastic Four issue when it comes to, to bringing things to an end because at least it's more coherent sure
0: there's a thing of this happens, then this happens and you understand why this happens. And then this thing happens and it's kind of weird. I mean, honestly, for me, it's kind of, at least the Avengers issue has a kind of great panel because you've got Joe in it uh, doing the, the inks of Annihilus broadcasting from the Baxter building. And it's a really great iconic view of it's like if Shepard Ferry had decided to draw Annihilus, you know, it's all, you know, it's just, it looks great. And similarly, um, Burns' art on issue 256, The Annihilation Gambit, is sketchy, but in a way that has a lot of vitality that the previous issue issues have lacked, which helps. Because technically, not much happens in it at all for the FF. You know, um, it's we've seen Reed like right on the verge of destruction in the negative zone like four times before. And this time really feels. Burn, bless him, is sort of trying to do use a lot of tricks to make that seem dramatic, but they're all kind of just tricks, maybe because he's in such a goddamn hurry, you know? But uh, I will say one of the things that I thought was interesting that I hoped that he was going to go this way is, is that Reed has pushed his brain, you know, is basically wearing a helmet that transmits his brain into his body back from the spaceship. And at a few different points throughout the story, when he's talking, at some points he sounds very much like Reed Richards. And at some points he sounds like a complete sort of human supercomputer. And I was kind of hoping that what we were going to get would be kind of a great little reboot of, oh, here's Reed Richards, the disembodied brain, essentially. Because he's literally yeah. had his mind sucked out of his head and he's had to, to you know, hack it back into his head. And so I was kind of hoping, particularly with the end of this issue, where essentially, you know... His son is dead, and Alicia is looks as if she's been, you know, completely psychically destroyed. And he's like, huh, yeah, maybe I should get some sort of, like, uh, here's a fire extinguisher. You know, like, you're kind of like, oh, maybe this will be an interesting turn of events for Reed Richards. But who knows, because he disappears next issue. So, I don't know. I guess you would probably know, Graham.
2: The most important part of this issue, and this is not a joke, is that when the FF come back from the negative zone, their costumes have turned into the white collar costumes. Yes. The end. Yeah. To the point where they come back and Reed's brain is suddenly just magically back in his body because of course it is. That's because he's done with the helmet and Alicia has been beaten up, but is not dead. And Anilis either is very bad at killing people or can't tell the difference Let's, let's be glad that at least she's alive, right? Right. Uh, ben runs off to the hospital and then they discover that Franklin is... First of all, again, John Byrne cannot draw children. Yes. He has no idea what a child is mm-hmm. at all. I'll have to put this panel in the show notes because, again, what the fuck is going on in this panel? Yeah. Uh, but Franklin is also in a terrible state and has to be rushed to the hospital. And I don't know why this is staying in the FF book. But the vision is deactivated, right. and that is also a cliffhanger. Really bizarrely, yeah, yeah. Not he, quite sure why or how that happened. But the 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 end of the issue is essentially everyone's in very bad places. Yes, they're either emotionally or physically in bad places.
0: Yes, and here's where you're like, aha, John Byrne has like upped the drama. Like he's surely well, he, going to drag he's this out somewhere, right? Yes, exactly. And spoilers,
2: he's not. So <laughs> he's really not. He's really so not. bizarrely this. The, I want to say between two fifty six and two fifty seven, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. The thing issue two takes place, mm-hmm. which is not mentioned in the the comic. But is actually important because it's where you get your Alicia follow up.
0: Ah, thank you.
2: Just that Alicia is getting. It, Alicia is basically healing. Mm hmm. So short. But it's also where you get the setup for one of your threads for 257, which is are the FF going to break up because Sue wants to leave the Baxter building?
0: hmm.
2: And that resolves in 257. But if you aren't reading the thing title, mm-hmm. you'd like. Where did this come from? Uh Uh It's a super strange moment. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. It's very strange. It's very strange that you start in with 257. And again, this was the weirdly, this was the issue because it starts off with something like. 12 pages before any member of the FF shows up the first 12 pages is Galactus and Nova and Nova leading Galactus to the scroll home planet and Galactus being like fuck it I'm too goddamn hungry and the skull scroll planet being destroyed and Nova being like "No, I think I'm in love and you're and then only then does it get to Johnny Storm once again meeting up with Burns favorite subplot. Sharon Selleck and Julie Angel to kind of be like, yeah, Franklin's OK. Don't worry. My kid stays. All right. I just spent the last two days there keeping watch with Reed and Sue. But the doctor says condition is stable. And I made this month appointment a month ago. Earth time. That says so much about where John Byrne has dropped into this kind of strange, like, oh, yeah, uh, the kid's fine exposition who needs drama and also i know what you guys are worried about i made this appointment a month ago earth time yes that's right i made this before i left for the negative zone because so much time passed in between then and
2: there but i'm totally but it's also imagine you are Johnny storm Mm -hmm. okay he has said in the previous battle he for him it's been four months since he went into the negative zone yeah if he made the appointment a month ago earth time Mm-hmm. That's five months for Johnny. The fact that he can remember that appointment is amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It's true. It's like weirdo jet lag
0: stuff, you know? And it's it, – I just now noticed that when he says a thing where – um when he when he shows up and meets Julie and Sharon, Julie says, Hi, Johnny. I hope you don't mind Sharon tagging along. Not at all. Hey, Sharon. Uh, nice to see you again. And Sharon thinks, he says that as if we haven't seen each other in months instead of just since last week. And of course, I was thinking like, oh, Burns pointing out the fact that Julie's hurt, that Johnny's not paying her any interest. I'm like, oh, no, wait. He's underlining the fact that for Johnny, it really has been months and it really has just been a week for the rest of them. So again this weird thing of burn being like characterization oh no 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 I'm just here let me show you the timetable that I've pasted above my desk this is ff time and this is the time for the rest of the ff subplot you know
2: it's yeah. um it's it's a bummer it's kind of a bummer it it is bummer there is this this is it's called fragments and it is mostly just filler issue yeah it is a it, it, big old filler it's setting up Including the weird Galactus thing that doesn't, like, seems to come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Like, I I know where it's going. It is actually setting up the issues just after uh, we we finish this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, you will discover, explains the cliffhanger of this issue. The cliffhanger Mm -hmm. is that he disappears. Yes. Um, But it is, like, half the comic. And it's Galactus Nova being, like, eating planets like you do. Yes. And then it goes, and here's some filler. It's very strange. It reminds me a lot of the and I've said this before, but Burns work, final issue of the original Galactus story. Which finishes with Galactus halfway through and is then like, and here's some filler. Right. Here's Johnny going to college. Yeah. And it's very reminiscent of that for me.
0: Wouldn't it and but don't you think that it would be a little bit better? I couldn't help but find myself second guessing it, being like, Maybe if they just cut between Galactus's progress, and then have one of, like, Johnny's scene, and then back to Nova. And oh, then, sure. You know what I mean? Like, this way makes it feel really, really static. Um, yeah. Oh, no, I, I, I I, 100% agree. Yeah.
2: So it's, it's it, kind it's, of a bummer. But, but all of these, like, this run of issues mm-hmm. is what happens when Burn—I don't know if it's just that he's gotten used to the book or he's taken his eye off the ball. -hmm. But when he started in the book, he was clearly fired up and he clearly had something to prove. Yes. And now that he has proved it, the book is much worse. It's just
0: far sloppier. Yeah, it's far sloppier. And I'm just getting the sense of, and this is perhaps unsurprising, this issue is followed up by a Doctor Doom issue. And for someone who spent such a long, you know, the first year of the book being like, oh, here's Diablo. Here's a new set of characters. Here's, you know, stuff that you wouldn't expect. I feel like we've kind of been stuck in a, you know, Doctor Doom, now Galactus, now another thing, now back to Galactus, now Doctor Doom, now here's yet another thing. You know, it's kind of...
2: Well, you say that, but bear in mind the Negative Zone story has essentially been all new characters, with the exception of the Nihilus subplot.
0: Well, sure, except that it's... Except that they're I mean, kind of amazingly
2: f- sure. forgettable characters. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, that's true. You are absolutely right. Yeah,
0: and it does run essentially half a year of continuity. But yeah, but having Galactus's stuff go and then just come back to a Doctor Doom story really did kind of have that feeling of like uh, I feel like we're kind of stuck in a rut here. Like
2: this is—I swear well, to it, God—reading. It's, reading, so, it's yeah. so strange that fragments and interlude are both essentially all subplot issues. mm
1: Hmm hmm
2: Like two two fifty eight is interlude and it is basically what Doctor Doom has been up to since you last saw him. Yeah. And that that is it. Like that that is the extent of it. And what he's been up to is he's been trying to repower or recapture the power cosmic uh from when he uh had stolen it from the Silver Surfer way back in the Lee Kirby days. Right. Yeah, but, it's mm-hmm. yeah.
0: It's weirdly half-assed, isn't it? That interlude issue. Like, I, I have to say, like, I was like, oh, here's, here's, here he is being like, I'm gonna show Doctor Doom, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna like surprise you with the way that Doctor Doom is, you know, pissed about, you know, Chris Claremont's shabby treatment of Doom in an X Men, you know, cameo appearance. That's,
2: and that's not a joke either. There is an entire page devoted to Byrne being pissy about a cameo Doctor Doom in X yeah. Men.
0: Yeah, in in issues one forty five through one forty seven. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it's just it's just a thing. I mean, part of me is like considering that I feel like Burns' take on Doom is pretty much my take on Doom. Like, there's pieces in this story where I'm like, oh yeah, this is kind of I'm kind of into the fact that here you show Doctor Doom and he's completely loving to Kristoff. Until the very moment that Kristoff even says casually that Doom has a possible rival. And Doom just loses his shit at the concept of it. I'm like, okay, that's kind of great. But the whole idea that Doom's like, yes, this whole time I've been working on getting the power cosmic back so that I can give it to Tyros the Terrible, the... Because I, Dr. Doom, am the only person apart from John Byrne who cares about Tyrus the Terrible slash yeah, exactly. it, the tamer. You know, it is
2: wonderful for them to be like, hey everyone, it's Tyrus the Terrible. Remember that guy you really liked and definitely weren't bored of after the second time you saw him? Yeah. He's back. Exactly. <laughs> and this time he's going to be just as boring.
1: He really is. Like Byrne's like, I love this guy. And I'm just like,
0: I'm kinda not I'm kinda not seeing it. So you get Doom who's like I don't know. these. I have to say, these last three issues I found really incredibly disappointing. Because um, they just... They feel... They don't seem to really make a lot of sense. Dr. Doom gets the Power Cosmic. He jams it into Terax and is like, Ha ha, go destroy the FF. And Terax is like, ha ha, yes I will. And Dr. Doom's like, ha ha, the Power Cosmic is going to destroy him. And, I, and he's not even going to know. Sucker. And then... And then it doesn't seem like a particularly well-thought-out plan, because you get Terax basically kicking everyone's ass, and then Doctor Doom shows up and is like, oh boy, Sue Richards... Your shit is in trouble now. What are you going to do? You can either beat me and, or you know, admit that I'm better than you and jump and save your friends. And I don't even know why this would be important to me because I've never really paid you much attention in the previous 250 issues. But now I'm pretty much treating you like you're an equal that I have to beat. Um, and
2: and Sue's it's like very important,
0: yeah. And then <laughs> Sue's like, okay, fine, whatever. I'm going to help my friends because, frankly. I don't really care much whether you think that I can beat you or not. It's it seems kind of dumb and unimportant to me. And meanwhile, Doom's like, okay, well, I'm going to go in and micromanage and keep ter- you know Terrax from beating you guys up, but only if it gets me completely destroyed or so everyone thinks.
2: Well, no, there. I mean, there is a through line here that you're kind of skipping over, which is Reed was kidnapped at the end of two forty eight. Yes. No, at the end of two forty seven. Sorry. Uh, two fifty seven. Um, Numbers are very hard. We've already established this earlier in this episode. That's right. Um, yeah, the end of 257, Reed is kidnapped. Doom is basically tries to get Tyrus to stop because he doesn't want the Fantastic Four to die if Reed Richards can't watch it happening. Yes. So he basically shows up and is like, no, 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 no. Reed Richards isn't here. You can't kill them yet. Yes. And Tyrus says, fuck you. I'm going to kill them whenever I want. I've got the Paracosmic. You're just a guy in some armor. Nah. See if you can try and stop me. You can't. Right. So I mean, that kind of makes sense. There's lots of other things that don't make sense. Yeah. The Sue Richards thing is is kind of you know Sue Richards, you know you are you are now my equal. Right. Is kind of from out of nowhere. It's a bit of a retcon, but there was also the issues before where Reed's kidnapped. Was it not Sue and Crystal? and and right yes you know he he was going to attack the men but he was not going to attack the woman so it kind of le- you know leans into that
1: mm-hmm.
2: there's but there's also the thing that i found really difficult to to deal with until rereading these issues is that this issue takes place on the same day as 257 257 2.59 and 2.60 all take place in the same day, wow. which seems really weird. And 2.58 takes place months before 2.57. Mm, I see what you're saying. Which is super strange. Like, right. the chronology of it is really, really hard to, to get your head around. But in 2.57, you see Sue go undercover to look at the house, which is the scene that opens 2.59. Oh, you're right. I just – you're right. That's – because, and this, but this is what throws me off. The reason that's important is none of them know that Reed is missing because it's that's less right. than a day. Right. Because that's the only way that it can it can work out. Burn himself fucks this up by mm-hmm. giving Sue an entirely different hairstyle. Yeah. In two fifty seven and two fifty nine. Mm. But like, it's significantly longer. I think mm. Burn just forgot what she looked like. Yeah. Um. But the 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 chronology of it actually really doesn't help. Like if you go back and reread it thinking, oh, all of this is supposed to be happening in the same day. It's actually slightly tighter of the story. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Interesting. I appreciate you pointing that out to me, Graham. It gives me, I I want to say a little more appreciation. I mean, honestly, in some cases it's, a lot of it is much more punching, like mindless punching. And I, I kind of like the mindless punching in issue 259. Uh, I so I liked actually having Burn... Ha- I was kind of initially excited that the Silver Surfer was going to pop up. You know, I thought that was going to be like, oh, great, we're going to get the Silver Surfer involved. He'll be interesting. I don't know why I thought that. I really don't know what I was thinking. And then... And then weirdly enough, of course, Burn being like, I'm gonna keep you guessing, the fact that you have Silver Surfer jumping into action at the end of two fifty nine, and the first character you see on the first page splash page of two sixty is Namor the Submariner, just really shows you that Burn is kind of like, Okay, now okay, you guys, I've finally tuned up the instruments. Now I'm breaking out all the greatest hits. Um <laughs> and yet it really it really doesn't feel that way. It, these these issues feel really underwhelming. I I, I honestly would have well, to say it, it's, that there's for
2: for a story with Doom in it, especially because the the you know Doom the previous Burns previous Doom stories have been pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know? They've been ambitious and this one is literally a retread of previous continuity. Yeah. I've got the back. I brought Tyros back. What mm-hmm. if they do them again? The only thing that's interesting is that 260 appears to kill off Doom, even though Byrne clearly writes in the Get It Clause. Yes. Like, lampshades it in a way that his previous lampshading seems subtle. (laughs) Um, And we should, okay, so we should explain. 259 is essentially the Tyrus goes after Ben and Johnny, really. Mm -hmm. And then it it, it ends with Sue leaving Doom Mm -hmm. to, to join the fight. And actually, it actually ends with uh, the Silver Surfer being like, I should get involved. I, the Silver Surfer. 260. <laughs> that, that, that's the way it is. 260, first of all, begins with a splash page of the Submariner, which is, just gives him an amazing haircut. Isn't it um, great? You know, the way it draws the hair of yeah. the Submariner is stunning yeah but the majority of the issue is is the punching between the three of the fantastic four and noticeably sue wondering where reed is because Mm -hmm. remember as yet they have not realized that reed's disappeared while doom has also realized that reed is not there and tries to stop it Mm -hmm. He, he gets in a fight with tyros himself and tyros essentially I think he fuses his armor so so Doom can't move. Yes. Uh, just in time for the Silver Surfer to show up and beat up Tyros. While Doom is frozen, he realizes that he is going to die, essentially. Mm-hmm. Or he needs an escape clause. And while he is frozen, he says, There is something I have not attempted for many years. The conditions are far from ideal, but it is my one chance. I must attempt it. And then you cut to the bystanders, including Aunt May, and a random dude next to Aunt May, who all of a sudden starts acting weird, saying, be silent, old woman. I have oh, no there time to you listen. go. So, like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm wandering away. Mm-hmm. Which is clearly Doom.
0: Yeah, right. I'm so embarrassed to say it. I'm like, I don't think I
2: noticed that. That's embarrassing. But that's well, awesome. But that's just yeah. it. it's, yeah. it's subtle enough
0: Yeah, that you for... can
2: not notice it. And mm-hmm. if you don't notice it, then what happens is the fight between the Silver Surfer and Tyros ends with them crash-landing into the ground and essentially incinerating Tyros and Doom. Mm -hmm. So you end the story thinking that both of them are dead. That's right. Doom's body is dead. Mm -hmm. It's gone. Mm -hmm. This will cause problems uh, for Secret Wars. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because Shooter, like, really soon, like in a couple of months, Secret Wars begins. And Shooter just has Doom in there alive. Mhm. Right. You will you will later see Burn go to stupid lengths to try and explain this, <laughs> like really <laughs> amazingly complicated lengths. Right. Uh, which, not to spoil anything, essentially come down to time travel. Ah uh, yes. Like he stole Doom from another point in time. Right. But you will also get a return from what happened to that random bystander. That mm-hmm. that is a plot that will also get picked up. For those like yourself, Jeff, who are not paying attention, you think Doom dies, and it's such a terrible end for Doom. It really is.
0: Did. Yeah, part of me is like, because I mean,
2: he's literally frozen solid, and then someone crashes into him and kills him.
0: Yeah, yeah. What? What? Yeah, there's there is something about it that I, I that did strike me in that sense of okay, well, clearly Doom isn't dead, but sort of more to the point was a little bit of the. I. I but it, but it, it, it just, it has no impact. It really doesn't have have any real impact at all. The way, it, the way that any of Doom's other deaths have, I mean, if you think about all the ways that we've seen this guy like tumble into the microverse, lose his mind while staring into endless reflections of himself, or any of a half a dozen different ways, there's usually kind of a bit of a, uh, of a, I don't know, you know. It do, Burn is so busy setting up the escape that you don't get any moment of fake out of, of you know, sort of fake poignancy or fake poetic justice or fake anything. It feels so impact free that you're like, well, of course, this is kind of a cheat, you know, it's it's actually more interesting where Tyros starts to get chewed up by the by the um, power cosmic. And you see the Silver Surfer grappling with basically a flensed creature that is, you know, dissipating before his very eyes while still fighting him. I'm like, well, at least that's, that's far more cool than, than Terax the Tamer technically deserves at this point, you know? So it's certainly, I don't know, it's, it's kind of, it was kind of underwhelming despite being what should have been a super fun, super punchy punch fest. You know?
2: But that kind of sums up all these issues.
0: Yeah, it kind of does,
2: doesn't like, it? Like, all of these issues should be better.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it and like you said, like, Burn's been on the book for, I mean, less than three years at this point.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the quality has nosedived.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And again, these are not bad comics per se. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they do the job, but they are so less ambitious and still fail at the ambitions they have. Well, I think
0: this is the thing that's really kind of a bummer to me is, is that Byrne starts off, you know, fucking with our ex.